Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It has been a while since I've been here with you guys. I've been traveling quite a bit, and honestly, I've been enjoying the stream at home in air conditioning a lot of times. So it's good to see familiar faces and a lot of really new faces. I have no idea who you are. And you're like, who is this hobbit who got up there to teach this morning? I'm Drew. Nice to meet you. I'm Drew. Um, so in the interest of time, because it is 900 degrees out and half my motivation for being here this morning is to sweat off at least three of my chins, I... I'm doing an abbreviated message this morning, and that way we won't be... Thank you. Yes, me too. Like, oh, hey. But of course, Drew abbreviated is still long, so... Because um, I can't say my name in 10 minutes, so God bless us all. Um, so we're jumping back into the book of Acts, and where Ryan left off on the book of Acts two weeks ago was in chapter 5, and he had just preached on this interaction that we see uh, um, in the people of Ananias and Sapphira and their untimely death. It's a cheerful message. Um, but I want to say this before I get into what I'm going to preach on this morning. As I was looking over the notes, and unfortunately that message, it's not recorded anywhere, and so we're going to do something to get some form of that message recorded for others to see and listen to. Because in my opinion, I was telling Ryan this morning, I think it's one of the most important messages I've ever heard preached in any church. And um, because there's so much weight and so much baggage that has come with that passage, and in my, in my perspective, from my reading of Scripture, from my knowledge of who Jesus is, that the church has sidestepped and not taken the responsibility to clarify that moment in church history. And I'm not, you know, if you have, if you didn't hear the message, one of the things that I'll just give you a few pieces of this, the question that, that came up is, did God kill Ananias and Sapphira? And, you know, Ryan did such an incredible job of examining that passage and examining, one of, one of my Bible college professors said something that I think is profoundly demonstrated in what Ryan did, and that's the statement of, let the Bible interpret the Bible. Let the whole Bible interpret the individual passages of the Bible. And Ryan did such a great job of taking the whole story of Scripture and bringing it as context for what happened and letting us see it through a different lens, which I think is so incredibly important. If you did not hear that message, if you're new here, if you weren't here for that, if you didn't catch it, go on the website and read the notes from that message on the blog post, because it is profoundly important to our understanding of the character of God, but also how we interact as the church with the world that's watching. So that's kind of where I'm going this morning. I'm picking up the, the, the scriptures right where Ryan left off. And I'm not going to do too much just because there's so much more in chapter 5 that would take a lot more time to dissect. And I really want to spend a few minutes on this. So where Ryan left off, Ananias and Sapphira fell down dead, much like that paper just did. And uh, chapter, in chapter 5, verse 11, it says, And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Going on in, in verse 12, it says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, 
but the people held them in high esteem. That's verse 13. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so they so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Okay, I'm going to stop there. That's just chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. And... I want to dissect some of this first and foremost, because we're just coming out of this, this moment in church history where Peter confronted the deception of Ananias and Sapphira, and again, they died. And fear hit the church and hit those who knew of what was going on. And it's undergirded even more in, in verse 13 that says, none of the rest dared join them, but people held them in high esteem. Now, I want to talk a little bit about that reality, that... Peter, in his actions, did something and created something that affected those who were watching the church and how they were moving. He, as Ryan talked about in his message, and I agree, I do not believe that Peter's actions reflected the heart of Jesus. And people saw it, and people were affected by it. People were afraid to join the believers because of this instance. And I want to take a few minutes and talk about this, this, these concepts that I think play into this reality in here. Because just because Peter messed up, which I believe he did, did not mean that God withdrew his power, his spirit, or his hand, or his anointing from the church. In fact, what we see happen is that there was a period of time where people were afraid, but then people continued to get healed. People continued to come to believe in Jesus. The church continued to grow, which, number one, for anyone in professional ministry, that is one of the most comforting realities I think we can understand, is that in spite of our best efforts to screw up God's move, he still moves. So, I mean, I shared this in a message a while back. When God called me, he also factored into it my own stupidity. And thank goodness he did, because I'm not a perfect person. None of us are. We all make mistakes in how we represent God and how we, how we teach and how we live out our faith and our calling. But God is still bigger than our frailty. In fact, in the scriptures, you can see it put this way. He puts his presence, his power, his authority in jars of clay. These frail, broken, not noble vessels, not in spite of the jars of clay, but to display that the power working in them is actually him and not us. So in one respect, what Peter did when he basically called down the death of this couple did not represent the heart of God, but as God always does, he takes our failings, he takes our stumblings, and he uses them for his glory to display that he ultimately is good. So let's say that from the, from the get-go. But I want to examine this moment and the correlating reality of people were afraid to join. People were afraid to step in, and then their desperation for healing kind of moved them past that and moved forward. Essentially, there was a, a roadblock created in people's ability to come and experience the presence of God. Does that make sense? The fear that was created by that action prevented people from coming for a, a little bit of time. We all continue to have mistakes like that in our lives. 
where we do things or say things or live out things that make it harder sometimes for an unbelieving or a seeking world to rightly discern or approach Jesus because of the way we sometimes act. Come on. I don't know, a per- I'm not perfect. I don't know a person in this place who can say that 100% of the time they are representing Jesus accurately. And yet God is still faithful. He is still powerful. He still moves. And he still walks us through his plan and his purposes. Now there's, there's, some, there's a term that maybe a lot of you might be familiar with. And it's the term orthodoxy. How many of you ever heard the term orthodoxy? Raise your hand real high. And don't mind the pit stains from the high heated day. Orthodoxy is simply this. It's correct beliefs. It's correct thoughts on who God is. When we talk about an Orthodox church, we talk about their doctrine being right. We talk about their theology being sound. We talk about their scriptural interpretation being sound. Those are so important. And honestly, I think Peter had his orthodoxy in some ways pretty right in that God does not like deception. He hates deception. He hates lying lips. And Ananias and Sapphira were lying. But there's two other terms that we don't hear that often that I think speak to what we're called to be as the church. The second one is called orthopraxy. Orthopraxy. Orthopraxy is correct behaviors. See, orthodoxy is what we believe. Orthopraxy is how we live out that belief. The third one is called orthopathy. And orthopathy, like orthodoxy and orthopraxy, is right feelings and affections. If you look at this, you can see this played out in what Jesus said to us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. There's a completion to this. There's a, like we sang today, Holy Spirit come and flood every part of us. Not just our thinking, not just our behavior, and not just our affections or emotions. Because we can have one of those things changed and still be a mess and misrepresent the heart of God. In, in fact, it happens all the time in, in denominations and churches all around the world where we have maybe our orthopathy right, where our affections and our emotions feel the heart of God for maybe the oppressed or maybe those that are broken and in sin. And we, we look at that and we want to respond in a way that our affections and our heart are moved by the heart of God. But if we don't have our thinking and our theology right and our behavior right, we can sometimes mess up what is genuinely right emotion, but we get it all convoluted in wrong thought and wrong action. Similarly, if we have our behaviors right, but our thinking and our heart is wrong, that's just performance. And we know we've been hammering on performance for years here at Living Waters. Like, we don't want to be a performing church. We don't want to be like behavioralists. We don't want to be like people that make you feel like if you're not perfect, that God somehow hates you or is angry at you. We can get our beliefs right and not live it out well, and not have a right heart while we're living out those beliefs too. And the result of any time any one of these things are in wrong balance is that the world that is watching discerns it and responds with an outstretched hand, not one that says, I want to come in, but one that says, keep away. See, that's the thing is that the church as we exist and as we engage with the world around us, 
the people who can sniff out our inconsistency to represent Jesus better than ourselves is those watching who don't believe. In fact, it's profoundly accurate sometimes where they can say, you're not acting like Jesus when we think we are. When we look back at this passage of scripture that Ryan preached on so incredibly powerfully, I think what we're seeing is an example of someone who didn't have all these things right. And it gives me great hope that Peter, after Pentecost, didn't have all these things right. Because God still moved him and still used him and still moved the church forward. And I think it should give hope to every single one of us who often don't get things right. I want to give you a personal example because this is, this can just be me a lot of like, like, (laughs) church, you know. But I want to give you an example of how this played out in my own life. Many of you know, those of you who have been around Living Waters for any length of time and know who I am and what I do, know that my ministry is one that is challenging culturally. It's challenging culturally. We have to walk this line of right truth and right action and right heart, or else we are literally stepping into the minefield of culture. And even if we do it right, we still step into the minefield of culture and people get offended. But, but in this, it, God still calls us to examine and have our thinking, our behavior, and our affections conformed to who he is and representing him. And I will tell you right now that in the beginning of some of my foundational seasons of ministry, I had my orthodoxy right, but my, my heart and my behavior were wrong. In particular, this played out in relationship with my own twin brother. So for those of you who don't know yet, my ministry, I address issues of sexuality. I address the church's response to homosexuality and the LGBTQ community. My heart is to see people restored into right relationship with God and the church in right relationship with the world. And it's a complicated mess. And years back, more than probably close to 15 years ago, my identical twin brother came out and he embraced a relationship with another guy. And he had a lot of really angry things to say towards me, which is expected, because I represent something that's opposite to his direction in life. But in my handling of him, I went to the scriptures, and I found some scriptures that said, don't even eat with such a man. And I lived that out in a way that was self-righteous and condemning. Even though the word was right-ish, my behavior and my heart in applying it was wrong. And instead of what my heart would have been to do to, you know, live out the word of God and see this guy repent, instead, what my wrong heart and my wrong actions did was they pushed him further away from God. I want to ask us to take a minute and examine our own thoughts, our own heart, our own affections, our own emotions, our own beliefs, just for a moment with the Lord and say, God, in those three places of emotion, affection, same thing, behavior, living it out, and thoughts and beliefs, am I representing you well? Am I missing it in any part of my life? In fact, take a minute right now. Just close your eyes before the Lord. 
And for those of you who maybe struggle with knowing if you hear the voice of the Lord, we all hear the voice of the Lord. We don't always hear it in like words, but sometimes we feel it in emotion and heaviness. Sometimes we feel it physically. But go before the Lord and say, Lord, my beliefs, my behaviors, and my feelings, where is it that I'm missing you? as you're listening to the Lord, I want to say that this is not, when we come to a place like this with the Lord and we ask this question, God's heart is never to condemn us. It's never to shame us. It's never to condescend us or to, to make us feel worthless or less. God's heart, when he addresses these things in our lives, is only to bring us into closer relationship with him. It's only to make us more whole. If you're experiencing conviction on any of these areas, if you know, I mean, let's be really practical. We all have opportunities in our modern life to miss the mark easily, multiple times a day. Show of hands, how many of you are on social media? Raise your hand if you have a social media account. Really high. This is not I'm asking if you've committed sexual sin. I'm asking if you're on Facebook. Raise your freaking hands. All right. If you are on social media, you know that the opportunities to misrepresent God in your affections, in your words, in your behavior, in your treatment of other people is a never-ending opportunity to misrepresent God. And I will even say that sometimes when we try to put things on social media that are big, or even if we have spent like hours upon hours crafting that small little statement, it can still come off wrong because it's not the right platform. People don't hear tone. They don't see your eyes. They don't see your posture. They don't hear the cadence of your voice. We often can be right in the statement and miss it completely because it's not the right format. And I'm just going to say this right now. I feel the Lord putting on his people, not just living waters, although this is a place where I have authority to speak to. I feel the Lord calling us to better, calling us to a higher standard of representing him, calling us to a greater awareness of the way we communicate, the way our affections are moved, the way our behaviors or our actions happen. I feel the Lord putting this weight of conviction on his people because we are in a season in time where people have lost the ability to communicate love. We've lost the ability to communicate respect. We've lost the ability to communicate, period, in a way that builds others up. It feels like this mantle of division is over uh, all of us. And we have to fight to get right. Just kick that over. 
We have to fight to get our words, our actions, and our heart right. I feel like the Lord is putting on this next period of time, this opportunity for the church to humble ourselves and to admit the places, the spaces, the words where we've got it wrong. We have to be humble like that. We will never have an accurate reflection of Jesus in our, in our personalities, in our public interactions, in our personal interactions, if we don't settle into a position of humility to recognize that we need the Holy Spirit to direct not just our beliefs, but our affections and our actions. The whole of us has to be transformed by the presence of God, knowing how to represent him well. And when I say this, church, I don't say this as another mantle of perfectionism that you're going to fail and we're going to be angry or God's going to be angry. I say this with the full knowledge that God still uses our failures. Praise God. He still uses our failures. And because he uses our failures, we can embrace this, this call and this conviction without fear. We can embrace it as invitation, not as a warning. And by warning, I don't mean like, you know, this is consequential. Of course, this is consequential. I mean as a warning as you better and if you don't. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, sometimes in, in the interpretation of Scripture, and particularly in the passage of Ananias and Sapphira, and Ryan, again, thank you for what you did on that. But passages like that have been often interpreted to lay that feeling of you better, and if you don't, watch out, kind of feeling over the church. I've been a believer for 40 years. Thank you for that. I'm like... <laughs> okay, my faith is over the hill. Um, I've been a believer for 40 years. I have never heard that message preached. And I have never in my life felt more freedom to pursue God refining my humanity, not afraid that my humanity was going to get me struck dead but rather understanding that God's heart for us is that we continue to grow and transform into his image, and he uses our failures. He uses our moments powerfully, in, sometimes in spite of the fact that we do these big, ugly, unchristlike things. I hope that gives hope to everyone else because it gives hope to me. So what we see in this passage, again, Verse 13, none of the rest dared to join them, but people held them in high esteem. What's being said in that one little verse are two things that seem contradictory, but we exist in those things all the time. It's that the people that were watching the church were afraid of what the action that Peter did, afraid of the consequence, afraid of how God might treat them if they walked in imperfectly before the Lord. But that passes as God still uses his people powerfully to bring healing and redemption, which is the heart of God, and people are still drawn in. So I want to, I want to give this to us as a challenge. When we experience moments where we know we miss the mark, or we know we push people away, or we know that we misrepresent the heart of God, or we just sin 
and we know that we're sinning, and we worry about the consequences of that. We worry about the effect. If you're a parent, I know this, this feeling is probably very accurate. How many parents do I have in this tent? How many of you have ever had that feeling of like, oh, dear God, have I just messed up my children forever? Yeah. I think it's the same thing. It's the same heart in that, where we can look at those moments and recognize that no matter what we do that can be a failure or can misrepresent the heart of God, the story isn't over till it's over. Because even in this short period of time from the point where no one wanted to dare join them, we have one more verse over, and more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. So our failures only echo for a moment. But when we get our hearts in line with what God is doing, he can continue to move in power. And I hope that's encouraging. Orthodoxy, orthoproxy, orthopathy. Our right beliefs, our right behaviors, and our right affections and feelings. As we allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to challenge our lives, to challenge our thinking, to challenge our heart, truly it is just the living out of what the Lord had said is, love me with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the corresponding result of that will be that you will love your neighbor as yourself and you will love each other as I have loved you. These are the words of Jesus to us. And even in this moment, in the book of Acts, where we see historically Peter honestly messing up, God still moved his church forward. If you have royally screwed up your life, your choices, your relationships, it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. It's not even the theme of the story. It's a moment in the story. My prayer for us this morning in this very hot, very sweaty Sunday is that we will be a church where the Holy Spirit actually has that invitation from us that we sing about to flood every part of us. Our head, our heart, our actions, our affections, our relationships, our social media accounts, please. Every place where we represent or we are living ambassadors of Jesus, which is what we are, that the, that the God of the universe, that the Holy Spirit who comes in and dwells in us will have the invitation from each of us to transform and flood those parts of us where we're just not right yet. And here's a spoiler. Every single one of us are on that list. We all need the Holy Spirit to conform and refine and to flood every part of us because we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Please remember that if something is said from the front and you don't like it. Please remember that when if you're in a small group and someone rubs you the wrong way, Please remember that when you log on to Facebook or Instagram and someone says something that you want to correct. Please remember that when you're parenting. Please remember that in every moment and walk of our life that none of us 
are fully there yet. And the invitation that we give the Holy Spirit to flood our lives and refine us can make the difference between how we represent God in this world. Let our words be salted with the presence of God. Let our thoughts be infiltrated by the heart of God. Let our behavior be guided and directed in the steps of Jesus. And let's see the Lord transform this world. Amen? And scene. <laughs> let's pray and find some air conditioning. <laughs> Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. And for those that are joining over technology, thank you for the technology that allows us to gather when we're not gathered. Father, but today I pray for my, my brothers and sisters. I pray for the church. As your living witness, as your presence here on earth, as the bearers of your presence here on earth, God, truly flood every part of us. Truly, Father, flood every part of us, our thoughts, our actions, our affections, our lives, our relationships, Lord, into every part of us and bring us into that conformed image of Jesus. Lord, our heart is that when people see how we respond, how we treat people, how we speak to people, the words we say, the way that we say them, the, the posture of our, of our relationships with people, when people see and hear those things, may it resonate with the heart of Jesus. We don't want to be an obstacle, Lord. We don't want to create stumbling blocks for people. We want to extend an invitation for people to come and know the God that has transformed our hearts. So Father, continue to transform us. Continue to humble us so that we can be more accurate representations of who you are. Thank you, Father. We love you. And we bless you in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you all. Find some air conditioning. And next week is church out. No church service next week. So enjoy the holiday. And God bless you all. See you next time. Is the one I pick. Catch me sitting in the sun, no top of shade. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I ain't gonna let it slip away. I'm gonna be joyful. Got the feeling that you get when you get new kicks, bell ringing.